Um, girl, Aunt Becky from Full House got in a lot of trouble, girl. She got in a lot of trouble. Not enough. <laughs> I, know, I know. Are you ready for some white privilege bullshit and systemic racism? Yes. Let's drag it. Let's yes. drag it. Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> Patrick Hines. Banana. Banana. You guys, if you're looking for more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 200 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. So it's where we cover our series, right? Yeah. You know, we've done everything from The Night Stalker to The Vow. The Jinx. The Jinx. Lorena. The Staircase. Serial. Tiger King. Don't F with Cats. I'll be gone in the dark. Heaven's Gate. Oh my God. Heaven's Gate. What are we doing? Oh, right now we're doing um, Murder in the Bayou. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Heavy, heavy shit. Do you guys know that story? Bananas. Oh, my God. Yeah, and if you don't, come learn. I know. <laughs> Join us on the pates. You can also find ad-free versions of these episodes. There's after parties. There's, uh, what else is there? <laughs> yeah, we do AMAs. We give advice. We do, we send some videos out sometimes. It's a whole party, really. I got to tell you, the advice thing that we're doing now, where we're giving you guys, you guys are emailing us, and we're giving you advice sometimes. I was a little nervous at first, but I think we're kind of good at it now. It started with, <laughs> do you want to just give this a try to now Patrick saying every after party. Let's give advice again. Your favorite thing. Also, you guys, join our Facebook group. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. 36,000 members and counting. It's where you go when you want to talk about the episodes or meet your new true crime best friends or get recommendations of other podcasts and documentaries. It's it's a crazy fun place to hang out. It's fun. It's, a, again, another party. We're very good at throwing parties. Totally. Uh, girl, I know we got to get to the episode. I do not want to keep you from dragging these rich white people. I know you're I know you're itching to do it. I mean, it's unreal. I mean, I know, honestly. I <laughs> Real fun day to come to work, I gotta tell you. <laughs> All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal. I gotta tell you, I was expecting, I really thought the entire thing was gonna be about Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. No, we hear their names once. I will say Felicity Huffman gets a, a good pass in this. The Lori Laughlin shit though, I got I got stuff to say about her family all day long. All day long. I know. <laughs> All of our friends are only talking about one thing, and it's this story. An FBI investigation called Operation Varsity Blues. USC, UCLA, and Rick Singer. The mastermind behind the entire operation. Is there any risk that this thing blows up in my face? We help the wealthiest families in the U.S. get their kids into school. So I've done 761, what I would call side doors. The front door means getting in on your own. So I've created this kind of side door in because my families want a guarantee. There aren't many federal cases where you have 50 people indicted for a crime. It truly is amazing what people will say on the phone when they don't know the feds are listening. If somebody were to catch this, what happens? The only way someone can catch it is if you guys tell someone. I'm gonna do over 730 of these side doors this year. It's the home run of home runs. And it works? Every time. This movie starts like 10 times. And I'm like, is, are we here now? Are we here? But it's like, you know, we get kids like filming themselves, checking to see if they got into their dream college. It's this montage yeah. of just like gasping and gasping and screaming and celebrating. <gasps> oh my God, I'm not 
there's this guy who looks like Matthew Modine with a shitty haircut. And I'm like, oh my God, wait, that is Matthew Modine with a shitty haircut. <laughs> you guys, this movie is made in a really weird way where a lot of it is reenactments of Matthew Modine, like it, like a movie, like a real narrative movie. Yeah. We get the on-screen text that explains the guy that he plays, he's like the head asshole here, right? He's the one who like yes. facilitated all of the shenanigans. And they were basically tapping his phone the whole time. So these like acting scenes with him are the ones where they're like recreating all the conversations he had with these like rich people buying their kids like way into Ivy League schools. Yeah, because the entire case was based on transcripts. Yeah. So these are like actors recreating the conversations. So we have some visuals. Uh-huh. So the opening credits are like snippets of these recreated phone calls. And we're going to dive into all of them. Oh so we're going to blow through that in the moment. But we're going to get into like all I mean, the, the endless, endless phone calls of people just straight up saying, so I'm going to like pay my kids way into college, right? Like they just admit <laughs> it. In the opening credits, as that's as that's happening, we're also seeing like the actual like footage of Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin. Felicity Huffman, every time you see her, she looks like a deer in headlights. She can't believe this is happening to her. It's the worst day of her life. She like looks really sorry. Lori Loughlin looks like she's working the red carpet at the Golden Globe. Yeah. She's waving. She's smiling. And don't, for, don't forget, William H. Macy is next to Felicity Huffman. I know. I know. But Lori Loughlin is really looking at this as like as though her publicist is whispering in her ear, there's no such thing as bad press. And Becky. I know. Honestly, who's surprised? What an idiot. And she's such trash, you guys. When we get there, they, her <laughs> family is such trash. It's unreal. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to drag a teenager. Come for me, internet. I, I know you will. I Fuck know. her. So we get, like, the first phone call. And this is Matthew Modine. So the voice you're hearing is, like, an act. They're actors recreating yeah. these phone calls. But they're in these, like, McMansions. And the houses yeah. are out of control. And so the first phone call we see, or is reenacted, is kind of explaining what he's doing, right? And so he yeah. says to this parent, he's like, look. make it happen but there's a price <laughs> yeah and we learned right from the top we start hearing about the side door right oh, and God. we'll get the explanation for what all of this is later but he's explaining that like if you want to use my side door at harvard it's about 1.2 million jesus but if you want to go through the back door harvard's asking for 45 million God. stanford's asking for 50 million wow and they're getting it the side door into Harvard is going to cost you $1.2 million. And I literally was like, well, that doesn't sound that expensive. <laughs> well, that's what he wants you to think because yeah. he's like, well, if you go through the back door, Harvard's asking for $45 million. Stanford wants fifty, And the craziest part, they're getting it. And it means nothing. It's like, who's paying $50 million? I know. And I got to say, too, like going back to the opening where we're seeing all these kids. When we, I don't know about you. I'm assuming it was the same for you. When I was going, when I was like getting my letters of like, yay or nay for college they, that shit was coming in the mail yeah. like I was checking the mail Every these kids are looking on the computer like it's all done via email or whatever now but like this was just not that big a deal to me I kind of feel like I was either going to go to college or I wasn't and I kind of didn't really care I have to say watching this I was like wow I was so I felt so lucky and grateful that my parents yeah. didn't give a shit about Ivy League schools and look I was undiagnosed ADHD all through high school so yeah. I was just like trying to get through the goddamn thing and also high school I know like like learning stuff aside like high school stuff like my parents weren't like Ivy League guess guess how many AP classes I took girl how many zero <laughs> 
I took one. My high school offered AP art, girl. You could take oh, AP. That I would have taken. <laughs> you could take AP art at my school. Oh my god. But this was not like a thing for me. I did not care about Ivy League bullshit. My parents never pushed me for that. I think essay. I'll go on my SAT rant in a little bit. I think standardized tests are bullshit, and thankfully oh, yeah. people agree with me on this. Totally. But the whole college thing is a whole different ball game now than it was. It seems like when we were applying to college and social media, like because every. Everyone's then posting when they get in. There's like a shit ton of pressure. And we'll learn why that is. Yeah. But there's this guy. His name is Robert Fisher. He's a former federal prosecutor. And he's yeah. not the Robert Fisher from Where is Robert Fisher? It's not him. What if we found him, you guys? That was the guy that like burned his house down and ran into the woods to like kill his family and get away with it. Remember him? Yeah. He, he is not. We did not find him. He is not no. in this documentary. <laughs> but he's great because he has a great he has a lot of good one liners. And he's like, look, I've done a lot of wiretaps over the years. It truly is amazing sometimes what people will say on the phone when they don't know that the feds are listening. I've done a million and one wiretaps. To this day, I still I cannot believe the shit that people say when they think no one's listening. I'll never get over it. I'll never understand it. I'll tell you right now, though, I feel like Matt, our editor, basically gets the wiretap version of, of us making these episodes. Like, the shit that we've said, Matt could probably get us thrown in jail for. You know what I mean? Really? Is it that? Are we that bad off the record? I think we're just getting know. saucy so we can, when we hit record, that's when the magic happens, you know? I don't know, but I for sure am guilty of saying things when I think no one is listening that I would never say if I knew the cop. Not that I've ever done anything illegal. I live in fear of getting in trouble. But like, I just feel like, you know, I speak with wild abandon. I think everything I say is hilarious. Uh-huh. So this is when we learn about the, the, the lead guy here. His name is Rick Singer, right? He's the guy that Matthew Modine plays. Yeah. And so, for example, this guy who's like, I can't believe the shit people say on the phone. Like this Rick Singer guy who's leading this whole scam is yeah. asking people for their kid's handwriting sample so I he know. can forge the same. Like this is when I say this stuff that they're saying is unbelievable like it's things like so what i'll probably need if 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 you guys have any pictures of him playing multiple sports that will be helpful because i will photoshop his face onto a kicker do you have photos so i can photoshop them in the water playing the sport they've never (laughs) played like it's it's that insane if you haven't seen it it's that brazen and aunt becky does this shit i don't think felicity huffman was photoshopping her kids like william h macy like really dude I do get the sense that William H. Macy was, like, not as aware. I'm not blaming the mother, but I'm just saying I feel like no one ever mentions his name in connection with this stuff. I can't even believe he showed up to whatever this press conference or whatever. Like, I can't even believe he was there. I know. William H. Macy and Felicity Huffman are so legit. They're, like, they're like New York theater actors that, like, made real, like, that made it good, you know? So for them to be participating in this bougie, rich, photoshopping my kid into a crew boat, I'm going to buy my way to Stanford, it, it really, like, it really seems outlandish. I'm going to say the word outlandish. Just like pay for a tutor if the kid needs it. Like what you have everything at your disposal. You I fucking know. idiots. I so <laughs> like God, no sympathy. I'm sorry. Like none at all. So we get a lot. We get a lot of experts here. Too many. Too many experts. Too many. But one of them is named Akil Bello and I love him. He's a test prep expert. And so yeah. he just says he's like. If you're a well-to-do parent in a school with 500 seniors, your child is getting a fraction of the attention you want your child to get. So you 
do what you do. You apply money to the problem and you find somebody who will independently help just your child and help your child through this process. And that's sort of the genesis of an independent college counselor. What he's saying here is that if you are like a wealthy person and you your kid goes to like the best school in your town, your kid isn't special there. All of those kids have all of the privilege. They're doing all of the sports and all of the academics. So you need a way to stand out. And that's where these educational consultants come in. Their job is to take your kid and coach them for years. Mm -hmm. Their role is to help you decide what essay you're going to write, to get you prepped yes. for all of your tests, to get you prepped for your interviews. Like These people steer your life for the last two years of high school. Can you imagine taking this that seriously? My only concern my last two years of high school was what role was I going to get in my final senior musical? Right. And was it Bye Bye Birdie? Like, was it Conrad Birdie? Uh, it was. It actually was Bye Bye Birdie. I know that you think I don't know the story. That's why I said that. I set right. you up. This is the story where I did not get the lead and I quit and then begged for my part back. Of, I mean, come on, girl. You don't even have to. You could. This could be your first episode of True Crime Obsessive. You kind of kn knew where that story went the minute I said bye-bye, Birdie. I quit the show and then begged for my part back. You know, it's bye-bye, Birdie. Everyone wants to be involved. It's true. But so these people are called independent college counselors. And so this is yeah. how Rick Singer started, this guy who's yes. like the, the ringleader here. And yeah. they tell us. I'd like to think that Rick started out trying to be professional and trying to be legitimate. For a number of years, Rick was the go-to person. He was the only one in town who did this sort of thing. And so if you wanted information about college admissions, you went to Rick. He was kind of the only gig in town. And yeah. I mean, the pressure now that the kids are facing in uh -huh. college, it was like starting to come around in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so there are all these women saying like, I we kind of felt like if you wanted to get in, you had to go to Rick. He was the only totally. guy in town doing this. And it felt very high stakes. Like, well, if I didn't get into my college, would I have if Rick was involved in my life? Right. It was that kind of feeling. And like, they t this guy is no fun. Like, this guy is has no oh personality. They say he dressed like an actual like basketball coach. He's not chatty. He's not personal. Personable. He's just there to intimidate you into like getting into the college you want to go to. And my favorite, I think maybe my favorite person we meet, her name is Margie Amat. Her uh -huh. lower third is educational consultant, but I oh, added yeah. and president of the I Hate Rick Singer Club. She <laughs> hates it. She's like, he used to walk around in his athletic clothes and his little monk hairdo. He wasn't necessarily charismatic. Yeah, he walked around with his little monk hairdo yes. and didn't have a shred of charisma. And I'm like, he does look like Doe from Heaven's Gate. <laughs> if you just joined yes, us on the page. He totally, totally. And by the way, Matthew Modine does a really good job. But like Matthew Modine is the opposite. I don't know if you know this about me or not. I have a true daddy crush on Matthew Modine. I would leave my family for Matthew Modine today. Is it because when he was in Vision Quest? No, it was Gross Anatomy. It was Gross oh. Anatomy. And I just, I just love him. And he right. loves the state of Michigan. I don't know if you know this, but he does like ads for how awesome Michigan is. I don't know all that much about Matthew Modine. <laughs> I appreciated his performance in this. We start to learn that this guy started out legit. Like, he was really just, like, playing by the rules. But then we learn early on, and this is just banana. I can't believe this guy hasn't been, like, murdered on the street for this. He started changing the race on kids' college applications. The word I got from people who knew him in Sacramento was he was exaggerating and fabricating there on kids' applications. You know, changing their race from white to Latino or African-American so that they could qualify for affirmative action. I mean, he was quite brave 
raisin. Do you know that a, a high school boyfriend of mine did that? He, he checked Asian Pacific Islander on the application? No. Yeah, because he was fucking Filipino. His parents were from the Philippines. That's why he did that. <laughs> Rick Singer, get out of here. You really had me going there, GP. You really, you really got me with that one. And the award? for best acting in a podcast goes to. Oh my God. And that lady, Marjorie, she says, she's like, Because I was always suspicious of Rick Singer, I started to keep a file. I started copying things off his website. Margie, I'm obsessed with you. From the beginning, she's like, she's like, I was printing stuff out from all of these, from his website. Like, Margie girl, come sit with us. I, she kept a file. I need to start doing that. There's a lot of people in both of our lives that I should have been keeping a file on starting years ago. They do it already. It's called their own Twitter feed. I know. That's their file. On themselves. <laughs> I remember when this whole scandal broke. I remember feeling so sorry for the kids in these situations. Yeah. Because they're about to find out that all their parents think that they're stupid, that they're like not smart enough to do it on their own. But then we start to find out that some of these kids, uh, Aunt Becky's daughter, were in on the scheme the whole fucking time. Right. And sometimes, which is, I'm not making any excuses, but sometimes to get the money, the millions of dollars, Rick would tell the parents, like Felicity Huffman, yeah. you're, there's no way in hell your daughter's getting to Sanford on your yeah. own. You need me. Yeah. But, and I don't really care. Like, where it's like, they preyed on Felicity Huffman's insecurities. Felicity, get her a tutor <laughs> I then. I had a tutor. Like, I, I worked my ass off and it was really fucking hard. Like, yeah, stop. I know. And that's the thing. Like, the consultant is saying, like, no, her scores were good enough. He's lying to them, right. you know? And right. he, he is preying on her. Like, I don't feel sorry for Aunt Becky or Felicity Huffman, but unfortunately, of all the people involved in this scheme, those are the only two names that we know. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone else is like a hedge fund guy or like because yeah. they actually in the in the movie which is kind of funny they google them for us like we see it on screen because they're like you're not going to know who they are I know but I know. their net worth is like 800 million dollars and like that's the other thing that was a surprise to me I thought it really was just like Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy and nobody else no and I'm also kind of surprised that uh, like there weren't more actual celebrities that did this you know what I mean I am too I was like is that all Okay. <laughs> but so here's here's how, because you're like, wait, where does the money go? What does he just like go to the colleges? So here's what happens. He makes this like fake foundation called the Key Worldwide Foundation. Oh my God. And so this side door he keeps mentioning. Rick Singer told parents that he could facilitate their children's admission via what he termed the side door, a special arrangement in which the parents would make a donation to his foundation to conceal the fact that they were bribe payments. So it's like, I'm just making this donation to this guy's thing. Don't worry about it. And then Matthew Modine, or Rick Singer, takes yeah. the money and then gives it to Stanford or whatever. That's how it all works. Let's not get this confused. Matthew Modine has done nothing wrong here. He just showed up looking like a hot old man. He's not responsible for any of this. Thank you for being here, Matthew. Okay, thank you so much, Matthew. <laughs> and the thing is, like, the parents, mm -hmm. they are in the know. They're like, no, 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 don't worry. You're going to pay this bribe money to me. Right. And so it looks like a donation that I'm going to pay to the school. Like, all the parents were 100% in. They knew exactly what they were doing. Right. And this, this guy, Rick Singer's whole side door plan is based around niche sports. So what we eventually learn that he does is he makes deals with like the coaches of various niche sports, like fencing, sailing. We learn that all of those 
those coaches at these various prestigious colleges get a certain amount of slots where, like, if they recruit a kid, the kid gets in basically no matter what. And this guy, Rick, is basically buying these spots from these, like, weird sports coaches at these, like, fancy universities. Who the fuck is going to college on a fencing scholarship? White people. And that's what they say. Like, these preferences and techniques, they skew rich and white. Who is fucking fencing? I'm sorry. Like, the deck is stacked against everyone who's not rich and white, basically. Just, sorry, not to harp on the fencing thing, but, like... What does it benefit the college to have a fencing team? I, I really don't get it. Right, that they constantly need funding for? Then cut it. And also, right, totally. Also, the swords are fake and they bend. Why are you wearing that face shield? I know. <laughs> What's happening? Look, don't ask me, girl. I just want to be in Bye Bye Birdie like the rest of you. <laughs> And so we get like, so we get one parent again, like I hate to hit this point home, but I think you really have to understand how brazen these people were on the phone Yeah. because Rick is asking some parent like, okay, so I need a photo of your kid so I can Photoshop it to make it looks like he plays this sport. Water polo. It's water polo. Right. And so the one parent is like, does he, does he know? Is there a way to do it in a way where he doesn't know what happened? Well, what, what I would say to him, if you want to have that discussion now with your son there, say that we have friends in athletics who are going to help him. Because he is an athlete. But I can't say that in front of my son because he knows he's not. Rick, but my son doesn't play like a single solitary sport. He's going to know something's up. And Rick is like, just tell him we're friends. We have friends in the sports and they're going to let him play the sport because your son's an athlete. And we know people with the athletes. And the dad is like, right. But he doesn't play right. a sport. Like, I can't say the words you're an athlete to my son because he knows that he's not an athlete. And Rick just talks around this guy. But the thing is, like, Rick is going to get this kid a spot on one of the most elite water polo teams in all of the college in all of the United States. And I wrote in huge letters, what's going to happen when this kid just like doesn't show up to practice or he shows up and he's me in a Speedo playing water polo? No matter how many times it is explained in this documentary, I still don't get how they get around that part. Because the coaches are in on it. And this admissions team, the admissions, whatever team, I don't know, the yeah. admissions <laughs> ensemble members just... Um, <laughs> The understudies just say like, oh, the coach said, oh, sports are like sports are so sacred. And because they even say at one point, Rick is like, so what sport would be the best for them? Is crew the best? Is that even going to really matter? Well, for me, it doesn't matter. I'll make him a sailor or something because of where you live. You know, you live on the Cape. I'll make your son a sailor. But remember, he doesn't even have to step foot on a boat once he's at Stanford. They don't have to show up. That's the thing. And everyone kind of knows it. So it's like, how are the kids like... Would you, like, I how know. would the kids even just say, oh, so I'm going in on a sailing scholarship or whatever, I but I know. never have to show up to the boat? And I got to tell you, I grew up on Cape Cod. We see this guy. I, the budget for this movie must have been a zillion dollars. This call is supposed to take place on Cape Cod. There is not a single house in the state of Massachusetts that looks like that house. Right. And I think this is the conversation where the guy's like, hey, after we get away with this bullshit. Oh, by the way, you should mark your calendar for next July if you want in on uh, Paris. Got a big birthday, July 19. Okay. I rented out Versailles. Oh, my God. You're crazy. I know. A black tie party there, so you'll have to come. Rick, you got I rented out Versailles for my birthday. You got to come. Black tie. You got to be there, Rick. Well, well, we'll toast to these idiots. And then this poor bastard, John Vandemore. This poor guy. This guy, John Vandemore, he, we, he's the sailing coach at Stanford. He's a little bit chubby, and but like he is 1,000% Steve Tipton's ideal man. Really? 
Yeah, this guy is like Steve Tipton's ideal husband for sure. Well, John is just a bad listener though, so I feel like Steve would want to. I feel like if they were together, they're major. Girl, you think he married a good listener? I don't think. so. I feel like the major sticking point is like is Steve just saying, "I feel like I'm not heard," and you are looking down at your phone right as he's telling you, "I feel like I'm not heard," and I feel like because what we learned about John, John doesn't listen. Right. John doesn't listen, and that's why we're here. Yes. So the thing about John is that we learned that mm-hmm. he was in on the scheme. Like, he's part of the scheme. And, like, we learned that about him, and then we meet him. And I was like, oh, oh, she's here. She's going to tell us her story. And so, you know, he's telling us that, like... I first got connected with Rick Singer through a phone call. He called me after practice one day. He introduced himself, said that he was a college recruiter, and was really interested in doing more with smaller sports. So I thought it was intriguing, and I agreed to meet with him the next morning. We get this whole scene where, like, they get off the phone after their first phone call, and and Rick is like, I'll come and meet you tomorrow. And he's like, great, I assumed I'd have to, like, come down and sign him in. But then, like, all of a sudden, he just shows up at his office door. Like, and he's saying, Stanford is locked down. So, like, the only way he could have gotten to my office from outside is if he, like, really fucking knew people at Stanford that, like, just waved him through. And that's his introduction to Rick. And that's part of the manipulation. Like, Rick just calls John up out of the blue and is like, I want to help this small sport that you have going on here. And so when he just walks in, John is like, oh, okay, I get like, John already thinks that Rick like ranks higher than he does at Stanford, which is not true. Completely. Completely. So Rick pitches John, the student named Molly Zhao. And John's like, Rick said that she really wanted to go to Stanford. My recruiting was pretty much done at that point. So I wasn't really considering her for a spot that I could support. And I told Rick that. He contacted me almost right away and was like, is there any other way you could support? Her family is pretty wealthy and they would be interested in donating about a million dollars. I'm sure Molly's great, but I'm done with my recruiting right now. So I'm only allowed a certain amount of spots. And unfortunately, I'm all booked up. But like, good luck to her. Right? Like, good luck. (laughs) We actually see Molly. She like makes an appearance for five seconds. Yeah. And Rick is like, yeah, but she's rich. Like her family's rich. What do you mean you don't have any more spots? She's rich. And they want to donate a million dollars. And John's own boss says to John. My athletic director said that it is something that Stanford could do, but that a million dollars wasn't enough. Um, to really have an impact with admissions. Basically, like quoting the social network, like a million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. Like a million dollars isn't enough for this this small sport that is like dying for money that don't have a sailing team then. Exactly. And so this girl Molly gets into the school anyway and Rick then calls this John guy back and is like, hey, she got in. Thank you so much. I'm going to write you a check for $500,000 for all you did to get her in. And this guy John's like, I didn't do anything. I literally did not even know she got into the school and he's like well I'm gonna write you that $5,000 check anyway like no like no worries and it's true like John John didn't do anything and so like Rick writes him this $500,000 check he brings it into like the head of the department who and everyone's really impressed like $500,000 for the sailing team at Stanford's a big deal so like that's a that's a good thing that just happened but what really all of our like FBI experts are here to say like why did Rick Singer donate $500,000 in the name of Molly Zhao only Rick knows the answer to that that may have been a huge down payment for access to the Stanford Sailing Program. Basically, now he's in. This guy, John, who needs money for his department, knows that this like guy can get him money if he can offer spots to students on his sailing team. And John keeps saying, like, yeah, like no one was really paying attention to me. And then I said the name Rick Singer, and everyone was like, oh, I know who Rick is. Yeah. So yeah. Stanford, like these colleges are complicit. They know. 
So, you know, your, your question about like, how do the coaches not know? Like if someone doesn't show up for practice or rehearsal, like, do they notice? (laughs) Yeah. We're going to use the example at USC. There's this woman, Donna Heinel, and she's what they call the liaison. So Rick takes, you know, the transcripts, the test scores, which we'll get to in a minute. What everything that makes Daisy look like she's a water poloist or water, (laughs) water poloer or whatever on paper and sends it to Donna. Heinel became the gatekeeper between the admissions department and the athletic department. Because the idea was for the students to be treated as recruited athletes, that's virtually a guarantee of admission. So every single thing about sports and admission goes through Donna. That's for all sports across the board. So Rick is paying her like 20 grand a month to convince the admissions team to admit these quote athletes. So she's the gatekeeper. And even these fake athletes, if for some reason, some admissions board is like something in sports is a little fishy. Like I don't believe a coach about something. (laughs) Don is the one to be like, don't worry about it. You're an idiot. Sports is God and it's fine. And just trust the, trust the coaches. But my whole thing about this is that like, doesn't every team need an actual number of players? How are there just spots available to kids who aren't going to actually be on the team? And the answer is they have these things called like, walk-on spots. So these are not kids who are invited to be on the team. These are kids who are invited to try out for the team once they get there. And the fact that that exists and somebody higher up at the college did not recognize what an opportunity for fraud that would eventually be is mind-boggling. And we just learned that none of these departments talk to each other. That like admissions just takes the sports department at their word. If Donna says this kid is good enough that we need to give them a spot at Stanford because they're going to try out for the team and they'll probably get on the team. Stanford just says yes. Right. And so Rick says, or it's like, it stopped me in my tracks when he says this. He's like, your daughter will get presented. And if the committee says, okay, good, she's in. Then what happens is Donna tells me she's in. We're good. Essentially, she's been admitted before she even applied. If the sports team needs her, then like it's a done deal. So just do the application and whatever. But the thing is, they still have to make the application look pretty legit, right? Right. Yes. So now we learn about Olivia Jade. You know what? I know. Olivia Jade is the daughter of Aunt Becky, a.k.a. Lori Laughlin. And that designer, what's his name? I don't know. Some some Italian (laughs) name, which you know I resent. Massimo. Massimo something. I don't know his last name, but he's like a famous designer. But Olivia Jade is like a famous Instagram influencer. I did not know this. Olivia Jade is an extremely successful YouTube influencer. So it's this very diary-like thing, but with the added benefit of uh, branding opportunities. I created my own collection with Princess Polly. I get to reveal and announce my highlight palette with Sephora collection. This Olivia Jade. Okay. So she's an influencer, whatever. And we learn that she like absolutely hated the idea of school or education. And her whole life was documented on Instagram. Yeah. And so the whole thing is Aunt Becky is working with this guy, Rick. And Rick is like, well, we need to make your daughters look like they're going to be on the rowing team. Aunt Becky, in collusion with her husband and her daughters, get on a rowing machine, like a rowing machine in Aunt Becky's workout basement room. They take a picture that he then photoshops into like actual crew pictures to make them look like they are coxswain. I actually know what coxswain are because both of my sisters were rowers, so nobody be scared. This is the actual Patrick Hines I have not been kidnapped. (laughs) 
Okay, good, good, good. I was like, wait, wait a second. And this is the thing where I'm like, I don't understand. Like, the daughters were completely in on this. So they they Photoshop themselves into the crew pictures. They get accepted to USC, right? It's a big deal. Like, the, the acceptance rate is super low. And that, and that both sisters got in is like a big deal. Yeah. And everyone at school is like, that's weird that she's going to one of the hardest schools in the country to get into. She fucking hates school. And then we see the Instagram videos where she's talking about how miserable she is in her first day of her senior year of high school. I've gone to one class and I already want to die. So hot in every single room. I just want to go home. And she's like, all I want to do is drop out. And there's Aunt Becky probably making avocado toast in the background, <laughs> which I love avocado toast, but that's a reference to the vow on Lady Pates. And she's definitely on the phone with Sarah Edmondson. There's no way that Sarah Edmondson is not in Lori Laughlin's phone. <laughs> they are, they would be the yes. best of yeah. friends if they're not already. I and know. Aunt Becky's in the background like, don't say that. Tell the tell all the your followers to stay in school. And Olivia Jade is like, fuck no. Like, I hate right. school. I don't want to do it. You're making me do this. And then she's like Instagramming during class. Like, I someone know. tell her to put her fucking phone away. <laughs> and then she comes home and she's like, you guys, I just want to say, like, I absolutely hated today. Like, I totally wanted to throw myself off the roof of the school. Yeah. But the thing is, like, God. We have to remember how lucky we are to have an education and how many people would kill to have a good education or an education at all. So as much as I hate it, I still hate it. But I'm grateful that I get to be educated, even though I hate it. Like, I am so hashtag privileged and, like, yeah. so hashtag blessed to even get an education. Like, so many of you... <laughs> Don't have the privilege that I have. I Essentially, that's what she's saying. She's like talking about how privileged she is that she gets to have an education because when she gets into USC, she doesn't want her 30 panel Insta story yeah. as proof. Here, I have 30 questions about this. Yes. Number one, like what does this girl have to hate about school? She's rich. She is famous. She's beautiful. She has a clearly very like loving family. What is wrong with like, what is bad about school? And my only thought is it made me really sad because I was like, what? What if she has an undiagnosed learning disability and like that's why she hates school? You know what I mean? Like she hates school because she's bad at it and like it just made me think of Daisy who like if we didn't get her tested we never would have known why she didn't like school. She doesn't like school because she's dyslexic. Right. And that's really sweet and I can relate to that. However, <laughs> she also because someone even says like well why would she want to go to college? Like she has a makeup palette with Sephora. She's doing fine. But that's my other question. Like she does not want to go to college. She's a fucking businesswoman at 18 years years old why is she going to school because aunt becky and her husband never went and olivia jade why? says as much they never went to college so they want me to go honestly no one would even know who their kids are i know to be like oh do you did you hear that aunt becky's kid didn't go to college but she owns sephora now like who cares <laughs> who cares i gotta say though the second i saw a picture of this girl i was like that has to be aunt becky's daughter like she looks so much like her mother who by the way like a hundred years ago i thought Lori Laughlin was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen in my life. She's ugly from within. I know. I know. So you guys, I gotta tell you, this girl's guidance counselor gets involved and I am obsessed. Because both sisters get accepted to USC as like these star coxswains. Like they're gonna just like turn the whole USC crewing, crew team around. Crewing team, whatever. So he's like, that's super weird because yeah. I follow Olivia Jade on Instagram. I'm one of her 800 million followers and all she talks about is how much she hates school and she's never been in a fucking boat in her life. And he's like, I'm her guy. 
guidance counselor. I know how she spends her time. She's not on the crew team. So he calls USC to quote, like do a check on like the status of the applications of all of his kids. But you know, he was really fucking calling to like spill the tea on Olivia. I was like, is that a thing? Do all, are like, are all guidance counselors in big high schools this invested to call and like check in on applications? I hope so. I mean, they're definitely going to like a fancy private school, like in Beverly Hills or whatever. But like he gets Mm -hmm. USC on the phone and he's like, I told him I had no knowledge of Olivia's involvement in crew. And based on what I knew of her video blogging schedule, highly doubted she was involved in the sport. Yeah, it's cool that you admitted them for this for the crew team, but they don't play crew. Like they don't do that. Do you play crew or do you just row crew? Do you play it? <laughs> no, you don't play crew. Okay. You row crew. <laughs> And you have to be really serious. Like, crew rehearses at, like, 5 in the morning. It's very bizarre. Like, for hours. I know. Oh, my God. My sisters were both super into it. I was like, that's a lot with your arms. You know what I mean? The thing that's so funny about crew is, like, you have to be into it. You have to, like, have the passion to want to wake up at 4 in the morning and, like, just row for two hours. So, like, your sisters felt that. Olivia Jade did not. No. And, like, I would have gone to drama club rehearsal at 5 in the morning. Also, why does drama club get nothing in this? Like, why can't you be side-doored into Harvard for the drama club? Why? Yeah, because nobody gives a shit about the arts or anything that matters. Right. <laughs> but here's where we learn that Olivia Jade knew all about this. Yes. There are like emails where she says, Olivia Jade asked whether she should list USC as her top choice school. And Laurie replied, yes, but it might be a flag for the weasel to meddle, presumably referring to the counselor. And Massimo added to that, fuck him, and said that he was a nosy bastard. She calls him the weasel. I was screaming. Aunt Becky. And then the dad, Massimo, whatever the fuck his last name is. He marches down to the school and threatens the counselor, like like storms into his office. He comes up into the guidance counselor's office. The guidance counselor tells us. He aggressively asked what I was telling USC about his daughters and why I was trying to ruin or get in the way of their opportunities. His tone made me visibly nervous. The guy was so angry that he was actually afraid for his safety. He goes to threaten the guidance counselor to keep his mouth shut. And I'm like, okay, well, that's another red flag for the weasel to meddle. Like, how obvious is it that something's up if there's there's this Italian fashion designer kicking your door in and screaming at you? That is so fucking insane. And then Donna, the woman who's like, is like the the mediary at USC, like she runs the athletics department. She's on the phone with Rick being like, girl. Yeah. Hey, Rick. I just want to make sure that, you know, I don't want the the parents getting angry or creating any type of disturbance at the school. You cannot have this guy go down there kicking down the door and threatening the guidance counselor. Like, what the fuck are you doing? We can't have parents threatening guidance counselors. This whole scam's gonna fall apart. Like, literally, like, honestly. Like, there's no way these fucking idiot Instagram influencers are gonna get into USC on a crew scholarship when everyone knows they don't even fucking go to class and no one's gonna say anything? What? And Rick's like, Patrick, that's a very good point. Here's what I did to counter that. So Rick is also charging $75,000 to get any score you want on the ACT or the SAT, these standardized tests that are total bullshit. This is unbelievable what he's doing here. And a lot of our experts are like, just so you know, like even the standardized test companies say that they're bullshit. For many years, the SAT was explained and advertised as being an aptitude test, a very prominent predictive feature of getting a high test score is family income. 
The College Board has admitted, and the ACT have admitted this for years. This is not a secret that's being divulged. We're not breaking news here. This is not like, this makes no sense. Again, it skews privileged and white and rich, like, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, like, these rich people, like, just could have paid for the college prep courses. But instead, they pay for this guy to take the SAT for their kids. And the way that Rick makes it happen is that Rick needs these kids to fake what he calls learning differences so they can take the test privately and get this extended time. My daughter actually has this. Like, my daughter actually needs, like, qualifies for and needs extra time to take tests whenever she gets to be test-taking age because people with dyslexia and those sort of, like, language-based learning disabilities need, like, they need the extra time. So, like, this is a real thing that they're exploiting. Yeah. My ADHD could have qualified me. I I wish I could have had it. So when Rick says... I also need to tell your daughter that when she takes the test, to not be as... to be stupid to not be as smart as she is. The goal is to be slow. To not be as bright as she is, all that, so that we show discrepancies. Rick, as someone with a learning difference, (laughs) kindly fuck right off. How fucking (laughs) dare you? Not only does he get them to be able to take this test over multiple days, like the SATs is like a two hour thing. You go, you sit, you take it, you leave. He gets it so that these kids can take it over multiple days with as much time as they need. They can also take it anywhere in the world with like their own individualized proctor. So we see him explaining to this family, you're gonna fly to LA as though you're going to look at schools. When you get there, your daughter is also gonna take the SATs. It'll be her alone in a room with a proctor. She'll have her fill out her answers on like a different bubble form than the actual one that is given to her. What we do with kids who have learning differences is they write their answers on a separate sheet to the side of it so that we can rebubble. You guys will leave and then Mark will look at all her answers. Mark will then take the exam and then ensure that whatever score we decide that we want to get, he has it down to a, it's unbelievable what he can do. This proctor is actually the one who's like, in on the scam. So she leaves, he sits down and takes the actual SATs for her. He's like so good at the SATs, he could score whatever score they want to get for her. And the daughter never knows. So like most of the time, they're not this Olivia Dirtbag kid who like is in on the scam. Because Lori Laughlin is saying to her own daughter, you're too stupid to get in on your, in on your own, so we're gonna pay for you to do it. She's like, great mom, thank you. Most parents don't wanna tell their kids how dumb they are. So like they do this without their kids' knowledge. Right, and so my favorite talking head here, I mean, other than Margie, but yeah. this Akil Bello guy, he's a test prep expert. And he's like, this Mark Riddell guy that like the news is saying is the brains behind the whole operation. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, here's what's so hilarious and annoying to me. One of the things that amuses me and annoys me when I see most of the reports around him being a, you know, test taking savant or whatever they choose to call him on the moment. He's an adult who's taking a test designed for 11th graders. Anyone worth their salt in the test preparation industry should be able to do what he did. He should be able to nail this test. This is not a genius thing. Like, you're all just lying. Like, he's not some genius. He's like, if he can't nail the SATs as someone who teaches it, we have a problem here. Right. So we meet this woman, Michelle Janavis. You guys, her family invented the Hot Pockets. She's the heir to the Hot Pockets fortune. Oh my God. 
We see this actress in the reenactment. Now, remember, these are actual words that were said in an actual transcript from the FBI. So we're just seeing like a, like a replay of it. She literally, she, her big concern is that they did this for the older daughter, where the older daughter like went and like did, did the SATs and the other guy sat down and did it. The daughter was none the wiser, whatever. She goes, the only thing is my younger daughter is not like my older daughter. She's not stupid. So if I said to her, oh, well, we're going to take it up at Rick's, she's going to wonder why. My younger daughter is not like my older daughter. She's not stupid. <laughs> Even if she said she's smart yeah, or she's yeah, yeah, smarter yeah. or she's a little more streetwise or something. But to say she's not stupid it's is like unbelievable. But also what it really strikes me about these people is that no one wants to fucking do the work. Right. Why don't you put that one hundred thousand dollars into like private tutoring? I'm sure you if you really just have two hundred thousand burning a yeah. hole in your pocket. Yeah. I'm sure you can find a way to spend it. That also includes doing some goddamn work. And that's the thing. Like not only do they know that the kids don't want to do the work, they've raised them in such a way that that they know they can't do the work. This is the right. only way these kids are ever going to get into these colleges. So the way this all comes crashing down is that someone is arrested on some random securities charge. Like, yeah. just, I don't even know what that thing is. And to save their own right. ass, they're like, I know this is totally unrelated, but Aunt yeah. Becky is cheating on the SATs. Just is that valuable to anyone? Singer didn't make a fateful mistake that led to his being uh, exposed. What happened is that somebody was arrested on an unrelated securities charge and that person traded information. That financial executive said, you may be interested to know that a coach at Yale asked me for a bribe. And what it is, is that there's this soccer coach at Yale who's in on the scheme. And so the guy who gets caught on the securities thing gives up the Yale soccer coach. They call in the Yale soccer coach. Within seconds, he has given up this yeah. guy, Rick. He's like, not only will I tell you everything you want to know, I'll testify against him. I'll work with you. They get the Yale soccer coach to go to Boston and to get Rick to come to a meeting at a hotel in Boston. Rick gets to the hotel and like knocking on the door where he thinks the Yale soccer coach is and this like hot FBI lady answers the door and like Matthew Modine's face is just perfect in this moment. Hi Rick. Why don't you step inside? Adding to the domino effect, Rick is yeah. like, what do you need from me? I'll work with you. Rick instantly is like, you want Aunt Becky? You want Huffman? I'll get you Huffman in a second. And they're like, kind of, yeah. So now he's not taking any responsibility, but he is like to save his own ass. He's like, I'll work with you in a yeah. hot second. So he is so bad at this. One of our lawyers is like, if he was talking to the mob, he would be made in a second. Like they would know that he was being he was being wired up like in two seconds. But Rick is on the phone with like Aunt Becky and the like. And he's like, so just want to make sure we're on the same page. So uh, what I want is to make sure that you and I are both on the same page. Because what I'm going to tell them is that you made a 50K donation to my foundation to help underserved kids. Not that Mark took the test for your daughter. You're paying me a ton of money so that I can bribe people to get your kid into Stanford. And remember how I had that guy take the SATs for your kid? Yes, and the parents are like, yep, that's exactly right. Can you hear me loud enough on the phone, Rick? Is that you have all of it? They're just, it's unbelievable. Nobody is surprised that he like just flipped on the parents like this. You, you guys, we've spent the last 90 minutes watching him earn their trust, convincing them that nothing could ever go wrong or go bad. And like, and like again, these are actual transcripts of actual conversations where he's like, remind 
Remind me again how much money you paid me to bribe the sailing coach at Stanford so we could get your kid who didn't deserve a spot into school. And they're like, oh, thumbing through their records. I think it was $1.8 million I paid you for the bribe. <laughs> they're giving their social security number and bank accounts over the phone. Like, whatever you need, Rick. But remember John, the bad listener, the sailing coach, who, like, yes. everyone was like, how did he get roped into this? Like, yeah. what is happening? Yeah. And he actually, like, his biggest crime here is just being a bad listener because he's the yes. opposite of just like, yes, absolutely, it was $250,000 and I sent it on this day and you need a screenshot of my, like, <laughs> wire transfer. John is literally on the phone going, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 okay. So I just want to make sure that we're confirmed that, you know, going forward, I'm going to at least potentially have a spot with you. It'll probably be an athlete like the other student who wasn't an actual sailor. Okay. And then I'll put together a profile for her and uh, put all the major regattas that I come up with from the internet and bring someone to you. And then we'll make a payment to you again. Great. He doesn't understand a word Rick is saying. No. He, Rick is steamrolling him. He has no idea what's going on. He's really, he's playing like solitaire on his computer. He's not listening. He's just yesing him to death. And that is John's biggest downfall. You, everyone, listen when people speak to you. Listen. Yeah, so that is a problem. But like he, John, of all of the people we've met in this documentary, and this is kind of his saving. Because like what happens now is we get to like the sentencing for all the parents, right? All the parents are in trouble. They're all going to jail for months and months and months. But like this John guy, the judge is like, this guy's kind of hot and kind of dumb. And like at the end of the day, Judge Fobel understood that this was a guy who really cared deeply about his students. And therefore, there really was no need to send him to jail. Mr. Vandermore is probably the least culpable of all of the defendants in this group of cases. Certainly the parents are in a different position. The other coaches benefited for themselves. He did not do that. He never used any of that money to enrich himself. Whereas like that woman Donna at USC, she was right. making $20,000 a month on this guy, right? Like all the other coaches at all the other schools, the soccer coach at Yale, taking money. This guy put every dime he got from Rick into the sailing team. He just really wanted the sailing team to exist. And nobody cared. He's like, hey, look at these cool new uniforms, everybody at the staff meetings. And they're like, John, shut up. Like, who cares? And he's like, I don't, I don't know what happened. This guy just keeps giving me like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like we're winning. Like, oh my God, look at these new sails. They're new shiny sails. <laughs> and then like, every, it's kind of like a nothing burger. Like nothing really happens. Like either people haven't even been sentenced yet or they went for two days, like Felicity Huffman or like 12 days, like uh, Aunt Becky, Aunt Becky's daughter. Oh my God, she doesn't have a makeup palette anymore. Poor her. I know. And also the colleges kept all the money. Neither me or any associates working for me at the firm could find any case where the victim of a racketeering conspiracy at the end of the conspiracy ended up $770,000 richer than they were at the beginning of the conspiracy. And they, and they also accept no responsibility. They're like, uh, none of our coaches are on the take. I don't know what you're talking about. None of this is real. And Rick Singer walks among us because remember, he did yeah. this with a lot of families. So he is like not going to be sentenced or even prosecuted until his work is done. Basically, like like ratting all these people out. And we're back with Marchie, educational consultant <laughs> yeah. and president of the I Hate Rick Singer fan club. Yeah. And she is just like... Rick Singer is back in Sacramento. He drives around town. Again, he's still on his athletic clothes. He doesn't look any flashier. He swims twice a day at a local tennis club and he gets out of the pool in a speedo and does yoga and push-ups and he's on the phone. Sometimes he has multiple phones. Margie hates 
shipwreck. And it ends with like all of these people. Like remember before they were like, there are 3,000 colleges in the world, like in, in yeah. the United States. Like go to one of them. That's all great, right? But the yeah. thing is like, ugh, it's society because you can be just as qualified as someone who went to Stanford or, or Harvard. But if you have like, I don't know, like the, the University of, of like East Mississippi Community College, no yeah. one's going to give a shit because society tells them not to. Like yeah. this is what we mean when we say systemic racism because right. it's all of these people who can pay for the test prep or pay for horseback riding lessons and equipment like fencing girl fencing fencing we need to make it so that all of these big companies or whatever really do look at the qualifications equally and don't just say where'd you go to college and leave it at that yeah it's ridiculous yeah. it's yeah ridiculous people just think harvard is better they just do like stop but the best thing that it's not covered in the documentary but my favorite thing to know is that aunt becky was not invited back for the last season of fuller house oh she so wasn't <laughs> well if that's not taking responsibility for your actions i don't know what is honestly <laughs> you guys we did what's this one called this is a mouthful varsity blues the college admission scandal it's a real good one my sweet baby daddy no he's not my baby daddy he's just kind of like a daddy who i think is handsome matthew modine he's like your sweet baby and also like you have a daddy thing a daddy. for him it's exactly. like two different yeah. things you guys if you want more jillian and me join us on the patreon over 200 full bonus ad-free episodes download a binge right now everything from the staircase to serial to making a murderer to all be gone in the dark and the vow and heaven's gate and what else um, did you say Tiger King? Did you say Tiger King? Don't f with cats. Like after parties, fun little videos. It's really. I just keep saying it's a party, but it really is. Like once you it really and you get all of it immediately when you sign yeah. up. By the way, it's true. It's totally true. What are we doing next, girl? Girl, what? We are doing Gorilla: The Taking of Patty Hearst. Oh We're my going god! To Patty Hearst. Yes, I watched this movie forever ago. I am obsessed with this. Another like rich heiress who like gets talked into doing bad things. And then, like, everything's fine in the end. Like, we'll see. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings on this. I have a I know, lot too, of feelings on this. <laughs> Patty Hearst, girl, we're coming for you. Stay tuned for the trailer for that, plus our ridiculous and hilarious outtakes. Oh, by the way, follow us on the internet, you guys. Follow us on the Instagram at True Crime Obsessed Podcast. Every Tuesday at noon, we go live for half an hour. We chit-chat. We talk about the episodes. We take your questions. We call it Ladies Who Lunch. Yeah, it's very fun. And, yeah, we get, we get fun questions. You all have fun <laughs> questions for us. Uh, she is Jillian with the G and all the things. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram at Patrick Hines on Twitter. That's all I got this week, girl. Wow. She can hear you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I know that you're right. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. Love you. Thanks so much. Bye. Mom, dad, I'm with a combat unit that's armed with automatic weapons. There's been a big kidnapping on the West Coast. The victim is Patricia Hurst, the daughter of newspaper executive Randolph Hurst and a granddaughter of the legendary William Randolph Hurst. Police say the whole thing was carried out with commando-like precision. I mean, the whole thing sounded ridiculous. Symbionese Liberation Army. Who are these people? What do they want? We have declared war death to the fascist insect that preys upon the life of the people. We thought for sure it was just some lunatic right-wing friend. Hearst said, it's my daughter, we'll do whatever they want. You said that it was out of your hands. What you should have said was that you wash your hands of it. I have been given the choice of joining the Symbionese Liberation Army. I have chosen to stay and fight. Common sense dictates that she is still being held prisoner. She's a victim of thought control by terrorists. 
Every day your captor lets you live, you more closely identify with that captor, even sexual attraction. They have more ammunition than the police do. That's bad. That's bad. See, this is the first time something like this has ever happened. So there are no ground rules. When asked for her occupation while being booked, she told the officer, Urban Gorilla. It is probably the mystery story of the 20th century. Thank you all so much. Bye-bye. He was also in She-Devil. Have you seen She-Devil with Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr? Oh, not in whatever. Yeah, not in a very long time. She-Devil is the tits, as my friend Ellen likes to say. Oh, my God. Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr, the highest common denominator versus the lowest common denominator. What? Like, don't you want to see how, like, the world didn't I, implode with the two of I them know. in the same room? <laughs> Mediocre white dudes. Yeah. They're unreal. Unreal. My, my younger daughter oh. is not... <laughs> my my other daughter who's a fucking idiot. Like yeah, just, she literally says, my younger daughter's not like my older daughter. She's smart. She's smart. She's gonna figure it out. The whole thing about water polo is you can't touch the ground, right? So like you're you're like treading water. I guess. Like I don't know. Like who knows? <laughs> who cares? I know about it because it's all about guys and speedos. So I I've watched. It. Got it. it. Got it. Okay, makes sense now. We meet this guy. His lower third is federal prison consultant. So I <laughs> yeah. was like, pause, gave it a goob. Do you know what that is? No. It's for like rich white people to help them deal with prison. Like the oh, fucking privilege. It's right. someone who's like, so here's what's going to happen when you go to club fed. And yeah, like, yeah, 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 wait, yeah. wait. So these people are just like, I got to get my prison. Cons- I got to get someone to really <laughs> hold my hand through this whole process. Like the privilege. And you know Felicity Huffman got a prison consultant for her six days she spent in jail. <laughs> for, I was going to say for her two day stint at Club Fed, fully protected. Felicity, girl, how was the room service there? I'm sure it was great. Feliz. Feliz. So now we take a quick detour to meet Patricia Logan. Hard left. <laughs> quick detour? We're off a cliff, girl. <laughs> this is a great business model for now. Like, why am I not selling booze to underage kids? Why am I doing this? I mean, is it bad that my first response was, you're pretty busy? Not right. like, don't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like, Steve is going to kill you. You're I know. already <laughs> not great at communicating. Please don't add another job. <laughs> Where's Patrick? Oh, he's just at the high school selling vodka to the like, eight, to the 16-year-olds. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, girl, and I'm not talking about you, but yeah. I don't care how early you wake up. I'm not, I'm not impressed. I don't give a shit. I know. I will say that the movie does open with a guy, like, getting out of bed at 4 a.m. to, like, go for a jog. And I was like, oh, that's me, except for the jogging part. <laughs> Felicity Huffman deserved every minute of the four fucking days she spent in jail. The long weekend. <laughs> I know. Really needs to stretch your legs after. Like I know. day two. I know. It's like, it's like Vegas. Guys. I mean, no one should spend more than three days in Vegas. That's Felicity Huffman in prison. The actor they have playing him in the reenactment as a teenager, I've once again already left my family for. Oh, wow. Okay. I gasped out loud when I saw this actor. Like, I literally, I did an audible gay gasp. On your way out the door, can you remind everyone that just because your parents were divorced doesn't mean that you have to have a shitty childhood or like be a dick? I know. You, as you're waving bye to, to Daisy know. and Steve, you could just be like, also, it doesn't matter. <laughs> also, don't be garbage. Bye. <laughs> 